messed up my blending there. Sorry, everyone. And welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Marana, host of the program, and it's nice to be back uh, with you here on uh, Hashtag ELB, episode 126. I uh, do want to give a shout out and a proud member of the Education Podcast Network and all of the podcasts uh, that they have for educators and leaders uh, around the country. So uh, happy to be involved uh, with that group and uh, happy to be on with you. I took a little break uh, uh, this week uh, focusing on some stuff that we have to get done and uh, I had to postpone John. I was supposed to meet him a while back when I was supposed to go to Missouri, uh, but we are going to meet John Fitzgerald. Uh, here in a little bit. He is the Missouri Assistant Principal of the Year, and I'm really looking forward to uh, meeting him. Let me pull that off there. There we go. Uh, here in just a moment. So uh, great to see you. Great to be back uh, on the program and uh, excited to talk today. You know, so much going on with schools right now, so much going on in our country, and uh, just the stress level of people uh, people's uh, feelings about, you know, the end of school and, and all that has happened with COVID. So uh, I wanted to share just a little, little bit of advice, right? John and I are going to talk about plans that are in our schools, and uh, but just a little something to keep with you, right? A little something to share with someone who's maybe stressed, share with someone who's thinking about giving up. And from my friend, Dr. Rob Gilbert, I love it. It helps me out. They're called the five SWs, okay? And the five SWs are just a mindset that'll kind of help keep you going, or like what I like to say is keep rolling, right? From my friend Dan Spanauer. So the five SWs are, sometimes it will, sometimes it won't. So what? Someone's waiting, so stick with it, right? I'll say it one more time. If you're watching live, you're watching the, at home, uh, your friends of, of John in Missouri, you're watching, sometimes it will, Sometimes it won't. So what? Someone's waiting, so stick with it, right? And us as school leaders, us as parents, us as educators, we don't get it right every time. We're not perfect, right? And we do make mistakes. And we got to go on to the next one, the next person, the next conversation, the next email, and we do a better job. We get that one if we stumbled or if we failed at that uh, task that we were on. So I'm a believer in that. I don't beat myself up when I make mistakes and things like that. And I think that's important uh, also to have that mindset. So I wanted to share that with you. But more importantly, I do want to bring our guest on. I'm really excited to meet John, and uh, we're going to bring him in here now. Uh, John Fitzgerald, Assistant Principal of the Year. Here he is. John, welcome to uh, Education, Leadership, and Beyond. Oh, you're muted. I think I should unmute you. What do you think? What do you think? It's good to have our guests unmuted. What do you say, John? Can you hear me? Thank you for having me. And uh, oh, there you go. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. And we were supposed to connect in March uh, on my visit out to uh, the Ozarks out there. And, and that got canceled where you were going to be honored as assistant principal of the year in the state of Missouri. Um, what, what, what did that award mean for you, John? And uh, tell us a little bit about you winning that award. Uh, it really meant a lot. I didn't see it coming at all. Uh, first, I won the St. Louis Regional Award, um, which then advanced me to Missouri State, and then I won the state. And I frankly, um, a joke I tell a lot at school, but I really believe it, is I, 
I say, I'm not even the best assistant principal in my building. <laughs> and to get honored like that is, you know, really cool. Uh, especially when you don't see it coming. When I, I literally just uh, got called down for, um, I believe they said that they needed me in the front of the building, which is normally some kind of emergency call or that there's a, you know, a student issue or something like that. So to respond to it and then get to have a positive surprise at the end was uh, pretty nice. And did they have a surprise for you out there, like a banner and balloons and stuff? Oh yeah, they had uh, a bunch of my students, uh, my wife, my parents. They had cake. Uh, a lot of a lot of my fellow teachers uh, and friends from the building were there. So it was again got, thinking you were responding to a fight or something of that nature, and then <laughs> getting to walk in and see your wife and your parents and a bunch of your fellow coworkers there to honor you was really a great honor. And then when I won the state award, they they tricked me again in a similar fashion. So I got to experience it twice actually. <laughs> That's awesome, and and congratulations to you and your family. And uh, you know, John, I know we're in, in the servant business of serving others and leading others. But I, you know, I do want to ask you, what do you think of the attributes that you've demonstrated over your time as an assistant principal that they nominated you and and uh, and that you won? What are some things that you exhibit that people like about you? Do I lose you? Am I losing you, John? I think that I am a little more personable. I think I'm a little bit more personable than uh, a lot of assistant principals have been. And I, I uh, tend to be a little more friendly and down to earth. I, I believe that's one of my better attributes. Um, and I, I think we'll talk about this a little bit later, but I was a teacher in the building for two years and created a lot of relationships with teachers prior to um, becoming a principal. And those have carried through and, you know, I've worked to maintain those positive relationships. I think that's a big part of it. I think um, being open to ideas and working with teachers to make sure that when they have ideas that they're supported, that um, we think, you know, to use the traditional term, think outside the box. And when a teacher does have an idea, uh, have a culture of yes and say, yeah, let's let's follow up on that. Let's see if we can do that. And it's led to some really um, some really great things that have happened to Pattonville for for our uh, staff and students. Awesome. And congratulations again on that. Uh, and you mentioned your high school, Pattonville. Tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, what happened with your shutdown and, and, you know, what are some of the challenges now that you and your leadership team are facing in terms of the end of the school year and, and some of your planning for what we don't know lies ahead? Yeah, so I think like most people, or at least most schools, the shutdown came pretty quick. We were in school, and uh, basically Sunday night, they said we were going to have school Monday and Tuesday, and that we were going to go into an effective three-week shutdown, which obviously has turned into the remainder of the school year. Yeah. Um, one thing I would say, and this is kind of a compliment to a lot of other schools as well, is Pattonville was uniquely structured to handle this better than most we are a one-to-one -one school where all of our students have MacBooks. Uh, wow. We've been like that for eight years now. And as a result, we've also built the infrastructure to support that. So that means that our teachers had that PD in terms of how to use digital education. Um, our teachers have had experience with Google Classroom and all of the digital tools that we're using now. So we were, by my account, pretty far ahead of the curve in terms of being able to switch to a digital learning environment. Um, but that being said, you know, we're still trying to figure out graduation and 
thousand other little things like that just to ensure that we um, can can service that for our students and make sure that our students get those experiences. We've since moved uh, graduation to July and we're hopeful that we'll be able to have a uh, something that resembles a traditional graduation ceremony to celebrate the class of 2020. And then just other than that, looking forward who, you know, just kind of playing a big waiting game right now. Yeah, so many questions, right? And I was going to open our show to you know talk about the challenges of trying to answer questions when you don't know the answers. Um, but I decided I wanted to share those five SWs. What do you think about that, John? What are your thoughts on the five SWs in terms of that keep rolling attitude? Oh, 100%. You know, it's that do the work mentality and you need to right now, uh, frankly, it's we don't know what next year is going to look like at all. And it could look like it, it does now. It could look um, it could look uh, like a 50 percent capacity, 25 percent capacity. We could have, you know, some some days these students come, some days others. We might have uh, some students that select stay online. And frankly, it's mid-May and we have to plan for all of them right now so that we're developing that um, system and so that when we do know what next year is going to look like, we're able to move quickly and make sure that we're putting it together as best possible for our students. Yeah. And if you're watching live, I'd love for you to leave a, a question or a comment for John. And uh, again, the Missouri Assistant Principal of the Year, what a great accomplishment. You know, John, uh, the Assistant Principal job is a, is a hard job. You've been doing it a number of years. You know, what would you say you've learned or some of the most important points of leadership uh, in that role over the past few years? I, I missed part of that, but I, I think you said uh, what I've learned most in my current role. Yeah, and I'm wondering if we're having a delay uh, if, or if you can't hear me. I'm sorry about that. Um, you know, just your job as assistant principal, um, you know, it's a challenging position. What have you learned about leadership oh, no. in that role? Are you a, are you able to get me, John? Can you hear me? Or are we lose? Well, first of all, it's – yeah, I got you there. Okay, we're good. Sorry. I'd say that the um, one of my big takeaway, one of my big takeaways in terms of um, things I've learned, the the first is again trying to be personal with your staff and make sure that you're having positive relationships with them and that you you have that relationship where you they feel comfortable talking to you, coming to you with ideas, things of that nature. Um, the other thing, and I talk about this a lot, that you learn real quick when you become an assistant principal. Uh, is that effectively most things really aren't crises. And it took me a minute to figure that out because I remember thinking first year or two as an assistant principal, I was highly anxious about everything and really worried about a thousand little things. And you realize that if you just handle things rationally and think through things, even, even emergencies, that um, it makes a massive impact on you as a principal and a leader. And the, the thing that I and I, I actually see this in my normal life where, you know, you'll be somewhere and, you know, a kid, we, we had a basketball game a while back and a kid broke his leg and everyone was freaking out about it. And for me, that's something you respond to once a month at the high school where some student gets injured and you just, you know, you, you just have to take it, think about it rationally, figure it out. 
And um, that's the advice I give to new administrators as well is don't don't panic about everything because you, you, first of all, I can't live like that. And secondly, it it affects your decision making in a very negative way when you when you start overthinking and over worrying about everything. Yeah. Yeah. So true. So true. And uh, in, in thinking about that, one of my favorite quotes is, you know, uh, from um, Dr. Bird He's a friend of mine. Uh, it's not a crisis. It's an inconvenience. Right. So so many people's inconveniences, they're trying to make mm -hmm. your crisis. And it's, that's just not the case. Yeah. John, are we on a delay? Are you are you yep. getting you, yeah. you can hear me? I'm getting you pretty good. OK, good. Yeah, I think there might be a little delay of me coming through and that's OK. And we'll we'll get through it. But if you are watching live, uh, you know, please leave us a question or comment. Uh, for uh, John. So John, you, you've been assistant principal for a number of years and, you know, the natural next step is, is a principal's job. You know, I know we're in a, a crazy time of, of COVID and, and possible budget cuts, but is that something that you're looking for? Is that a goal of yours to become a, a principal one of these days? Yeah, I would eventually like to become a head principal. Uh, I'm very happy in my current role. Uh, I have a, a number of responsibilities and uh, I, I like what I'm doing and frankly it's it's just a matter of kind of waiting for the job that I want to come around um, you know I, I don't want to apply for just anything and again I, I love uh, Pattonville I love my current position so uh, at the moment I I'm very happy where I am but I I suspect that at some point in my career I'd like to move up yeah and your current principal, you admire, uh, you consider him a mentor. Uh, Joe, how do, I don't want to pronounce that wrong. How do I pronounce that? Dobrnik? Dobrnik. Dobrnik, yeah. And he's Dobrnik, been a mentor, yeah. a mentor yeah. for you and, and someone you've looked up to. Tell me about uh, what leadership characteristics your principal has taught you. Yeah, so Joe uh, hired me. He he had come from a, another local district. Uh, he was a principal at Pattonville for a year prior to hiring me. And um, so he was still fairly new to the building, and I was obviously new to being an assistant principal. And uh, Joe's just really good about uh, – he's highly professional. He, he has a really good thought process about things. Like he uh, – when he makes decisions – he can he can explain to you the the logic behind them really excellently and I, I found that that was important that when you when you make a decision especially one that impacts people being able to rationalize it and explain it and go through your thought process is really important another thing that was really good with joe too that i realized in retrospect was that he didn't do a lot of hand holding when uh i was a new assistant principal he he pretty much he pretty much told me like this is a job that needs to get done you need to go do it if you can't handle it, let me know. But otherwise, you know, go to work. And that sounds funny, but it's really important to realize that, you know, you need to you need to kind of let people learn it a little bit on their own. You can't just hold their hand the whole time. And I've definitely seen in other schools where that has happened, where the, the principal does kind of walk through and, and micromanage would be the, the term for it. And frankly, Joe was pretty good about, hey, this is something that needs to get done. Go do it. And yeah. Rise to the challenge, kind of thing, and I really, I, I legitimately admired that because, in retrospect, that it was very important to my and other people's development as uh, administrators. That's awesome, and that's great to hear about you know letting you lead, right? Um, your dad was uh, uh, someone you also mentioned when I asked you about your mentors, and uh, 
Yeah, tell me about your dad and your relationship with your dad uh, and in terms of your leadership. Yeah, my so my dad uh, was not. I'm I'm a second generation. Uh, I'm a second generation uh, educator on my mom's side, but my dad was a CPA, and for most of my life, he worked in some kind of um, leadership role in the business world. So whether it was he was a CFO for a company that made uh, credit forms, you know, the old carbon copy forms that you used to yeah. use whenever uh, whenever you would charge a credit card, and then sure. um, later. Later, he uh, worked for a roofing company as their uh, technology director. And, um, you know, as a result, I still got to see, you know, leadership's leadership, whether it's in a school or at a roofing company or at a credit form company. So I got to see him interact with, uh, with his staff. Uh, I got to hear the difficulties that he had and think about those. And really, again, in retrospect, most of his problems are not that dissimilar from the problems or the, the challenges that we've had. Um, but other than that, I've just learned a lot. My dad's one of the most generous people you'll ever meet. He's one just incredibly nice, um, very personable, and uh, just learning learning those characteristics and trying to live up to them has uh, been a, a very valuable piece of of uh, learning from my dad. Yeah, and I agree with you, right? It doesn't matter the field; it's people, it's your relationships, it's it's how you treat people, and you know, you mentioned generosity with your dad. That's that's great. Uh, and and I know you're a dad yourself. You have three little kids, and you talked a little bit about your time fishing with your kids and some things you're enjoying with your uh, kids. So uh, good for you, John. Um, Thank you. Yeah, impressed to hear that you have a one-on-one -on -one MacBook program, right? That's that's impressive. Uh, but you also have some great tech ed programs that you help develop at your school. Why don't you tell me a little bit about those programs and what they've meant to the culture of your school as well as uh, opportunities for kids? Yeah, so we, uh, we're really proud of some of our career tech ed programs at Pattonville. Uh, we have a computer science program that I uh, think has got to be among the best in the nation. Uh, we have a very talented teacher, Jeremiah Simmons, uh, who has really built the program over the years. And we were kind of dealt a challenge early on when we decided we wanted to have computer science. It was, do we want to go out and get a canned curriculum? Do we want to go out and hire a teacher? And we kind of rolled the dice. And uh, Mr. Simmons was one of our best math teachers. And we rolled the dice and said, well, let's, let's put him in the computer science classroom and see how he does. So taking a, a valued teacher out of a stem field and then moving him was at the time pretty risky but he's really built a an amazing program and, and they've in fact if you go on the app store on uh, or uh, the google play store you can actually download the Pattonville school district app which was student created uh from start to finish it's student maintained uh and that's something you know most districts most districts of size go out and pay big money for their apps and we had our students do it wow. um we have an amazing biomedical science program, uh, four years where students basically leave uh, ready to you know, go pre-med and have some college experience as well before they leave. Wow. And then we're also really proud of, we have a, a wonderful certified nursing assistant program where every year we've graduated 25 students who uh, received their CNA um, certifications before they, they graduate from high school. So they're ready to go into the field. We just graduated or we just certified 25 more nurses this year. Wow. And uh, especially with current circumstances, it's, it's 
a big point of pride to be able to say, oh, we're putting people into the healthcare field. We're putting people into these fields that are of high uh, need. So super proud of those. And um, it's great too going back, you know, years later and you, you see these kids that graduated in 2014 and now they're, you know, working on the COVID floors or they're, they're working, you know, in the field trying to, to help in our current circumstances. So that's another, it's a, a nice reward for um, putting together those programs and seeing those programs flourish. Yeah. And, and what is their day like? Do they do half day traditional classes? Uh, you know, they're, they're PE, they're Spanish, they're French, and then they they go into, you know, the, the nursing program. Is it, how do you structure that in your building? Yeah. So in the, in the fall, they uh, do clinical work at the high school where they, they, it's a fairly traditional classroom environment. They have a, a mock ER with mannequins, hospital beds, and all of that fun stuff. And they, they just practice, they learn the field and they do the book work. Um, they do every, every November, I volunteer to let them shave me because they need to learn how to shave their uh, patients. So I, and it's always frightening and terrifying because most, most of the time the student has never shaved a face and they, they're, <laughs> they're really kind of overly cautious. Uh, and they take the, the biggest problem is that they take so long that your face starts to dry out and then they're, they're tearing you up. <laughs> and then in the spring, once their uh, fall work is done, they go out and they go on site. Uh, most of them are on site about half a day and then they come back to the high school. That obviously looked a little different this year. But the, the students were able to still complete the coursework and their clinical hours and take the test and finish out. So, um, but they work at a variety. They work at nursing homes. They work at hospitals, uh, a variety of healthcare facilities. Wow, that's fantastic. They use a straight razor? Oh no, I bring in, I bring in my, uh, you know, Mach 4 and make sure that it's a brand new blade. That they're, yeah. I, yeah, they're, and because especially in the field, they're using um, the disposable razors, which are not quite as kind and forgiving. So, yeah. And why, why did those programs flourish and why did those opportunities flourish where maybe, maybe one like the pharmacy tech that you spoke a little bit about didn't take off or had some issues? What is, what is the difference there that happened? Yeah, we, we've had, uh, so one thing we've noticed is that you're, you're always kind of competing when you have these programs, you're competing with each other, uh, was one of the first things we realized. So, uh, and a good example of that is, you know, we have an engineering program and it's very strong, but one problem that we find is that when you have an engineering program, you're kind of competing with your industrial tech offerings as well. You know, you're, you're kind of mixing in the waters and you're forcing kids to pick certain paths that are kind of tricky. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we had a farm tech program where students were graduating with farm tech certificates and able to go and work in the pharmacies. What we found was, was that when we offered biomedical science and, uh, the nursing program and the farm tech program that students had to make choices and the farm tech, uh, was always a lot lower. Uh, it, it's still, you know, we still put out a lot of kids that got to go work directly in their field and went to pharmacy school, but you just couldn't, you, it was always a struggle to get kids to even take it because they had other options. And then, you know, at, at one point we had created a uh, life science uh, lab certificate where students would be able to graduate with the ability to go work in uh, labs and uh, other biomed services. Um, and we had a group of eight kids, eight really smart kids, and they were going to go off campus to a local community college and work in the labs there to get their experience. And frankly, they were just seniors in high school 
and it came we got to march and april and they wanted to go play sports and they wanted to go and be seniors in high school and finish up yeah, and they yeah. just weren't going to community college anymore so sometimes it's just the human element too it you know Trying trying to fight senioritis, I guess. <laughs> yeah, especially now when uh, we're being remote. But yeah, those things happen. But those programs sound terrific, and kudos to you and your team uh, for running those. Let me shift gears a little bit, John. Uh, you know, you're in the St. Louis area. Uh, I had a great visit there years ago. I had a chance to go to a Cardinals game. Uh, just experienced that area. Certainly went to the Budweiser uh, uh, tour. Um, but what, you know, what was that like for you? I mean, we're big football fans here. My son just popped up here, you know, what was that like losing the Rams, uh, in your city there? And, and, you know, was that a big deal for you? Oh yeah, it was terrible. Uh, you know, and to be fair, the Rams had been a pretty awful team for a decade prior to them leaving. So, mm -hmm. uh, but we still went to games every year. Um, I have really fond memories, especially of those early 2000s Super Bowl uh, teams, Kurt Warner, Torrey Holt, all them. And um, what, 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 even at the end, the fastest show year, on turf. Oh yeah, I mean <laughs> that, that was my that was my freshman year of college, and every game was was thrilling, you know. And and then they were good for numbers of years afterwards. And my uh, my now wife's uh, my father in law was a season ticket holder, so we were going to a lot of those games and. Um, and frankly, the, what happened with the Rams, too, that I don't think a lot of people realized outside of St. Louis was it was pretty uh, suspect the way they left. They, they kept, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, if you guys build this new stadium, we'll stay. And then we proposed the new stadium and then they they still took off. So it kind of hurt. And then just as a, a quick addendum too, we we then just this year got an XFL team, the uh, Battle Hawks. And my brother was a season ticket holder for them. We went to the, the two games that did exist. And they were great. So it was like, okay, well, these can kind of replace that Rams experience. And then, you know, COVID-19 hits and the XFL goes under. So it's it feels like the, the knife got turned twice. <laughs> wow. So so can you still root for them or, or you just despise looking at the uniform? Uh, I, no, I – the good news with, uh, with that is that, you know, we got the cross-state cross, cross state chiefs. So most of us, I think most St. Louisans became Chiefs fans in the in the either gave up on the NFL entirely or or now we're uh, surrogate Chiefs fans. Yeah, and they're they're not doing so bad, are they? But no, I no, I got to think when the Rams were in the Super Bowl against the Patriots, I think that was two years ago. We were we were rooting pretty solidly for the Patriots, and that was not an easy sell. But considering the Patriots beat us, beat the Rams back in the St. Louis days, but we uh, the the city became uh, Patriots town for a couple of days. Okay, cool. Well, John, let's uh, uh, let's get to rapid fire. Before we do so, was there, was there anything else that you wanted to share? Was there something that you wanted to say? You got educators, you got leaders watching the program, and uh, you know, was there anything else that you were hoping I asked or that you wanted to share? No, just you know, it's it's tough for everybody right now. I'm sure everyone's struggling in different ways and with different things, and just try to, like we said earlier, just try to um, push through, do the work, and. Try to try to get ready for whatever next year looks like, and try to shut down this year as as best possible. Yeah, yeah, I think people are ready for it to be over. There's a a feeling of yeah, let's let's wrap this up. Uh, people want to trade 2020 in. One hundred percent. Yeah. All right, let's get to it. I know we're having a little bit of delay, but we'll do the best we can with it. Uh, last book you read? 
I'm reading. I'm currently reading The Hobbit with my sons, oh. and uh, but the, I read Radical Candor a while back, mm -hmm. uh, and that was a really good read. Last movie you saw? Last movie I saw was probably uh, me and me and the boys watched uh, Star Wars Episode Nine on Disney Plus. Okay, and I yeah we talked off air. I, I got number three tonight with my boy for his birthday. Favorite place to travel? Probably, I'd say I would define it as theme parks, whether it's Disney or Universal Studios. But uh, Gulf Shores, Alabama, is probably the the single big winner. Nice, yeah, we love uh, the Panhandle down there. Just got interested in uh, in that. How far is that from you? Uh, we're going in. Uh, we're going this summer, theoretically. And it's yeah. a fourteen-hour drive. Yeah! Wow! Oh wow! That is a beautiful area. It's fantastic. Uh, what is what is something that motivates John Fitzgerald? Uh, family and just making sure that kind of kind of going back again, just that do the work. Just you you want to do the best job you can day day in day out. And how about some some something that gets under your skin? What's a pet peeve? Something that gets to you? Uh, people that complain without proactive solutions. When, if you're going to come to me with a, a problem, then please have some idea of, or, or at least at minimum, want to work with me towards a proactive solution. Yeah. So just, ah, this is bad. Away. That's yeah, <laughs> not for me. Yeah. I don't need the problem identifiers. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. The most famous person, in your opinion, from Missouri? It's probably Walt Disney, but I'll, I'll throw Mark Twain in there as well. Uh, see, I didn't know that Walt Disney. Greatest Cardinal ever. Uh, it's it's Stan Musial, historically. My sentimental favorite's Mark McGuire. And the best player in my lifetime is Albert Pujols. Mm. No Ozzy in there? Is Ozzy in the top three? Ozzy's right up there. He's he's like my childhood hero. Yeah. Yeah. And he was I love I loved going to that uh, the little Hall of Fame and those statues and the whole thing. What a what a great setup they have for their stadium oh, there. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to meet up for a cold beverage at one of those games because I had right a great on. time. <laughs> yeah. Um, most important part of leadership, in your opinion, uh, just supporting your people. Uh, to simplify it, just making sure that you're you're seeing what they need, and making sure they get it, and helping them where they can and hopefully when when you're really doing it right helping them get better best purchase under a hundred dollars that has had a great impact on your life i bought a uh, garmin running watch which is i bought one of the, the really really cheap ones but it, it came in under 100 it had the gps and it's a it's the best accountability tool you'll ever have because it, it when you have it laying around it's just staring at you so it, <laughs> uh, that that's and, and not just that it's just it's nice it it just knowing knowing you're making progress is nice too, and it yeah. does that for you. How often do you run? Uh, lately, every day. <laughs> but uh, uh, in normal circumstances, it'd probably be about two or three times a week. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to do these things to have the time to do these things. Uh, something that John, uh, something about John Fitzgerald that people do not know about. I was a uh, going back to more of the St. Louis stuff. I was a national park ranger at the Arch for a summer. Got to wear the cool hat and all that, and uh, I was a uh, an educational um, liaison from St. Louis Public Schools. So I worked there, but I I got the badge and the hat and all the the cool stuff, and uh, basically worked in their museum as uh, effectively a tour guide. But 
I got to go up in the arch and uh, be at, up top at times and just tell people all about it. So that, that was right before I became a principal. It was just a really fun, um, quick summer job. I was probably, I was like 27. So uh, it was, it was just a really fun way. I think I made like $500 for a full summer of work. I mean, it was, <laughs> it paid nothing, but it was still just a blast. Cool. We had a great experience. Yeah. With the arts too. And the, the beautiful, uh, it, it lit up. What, what would you say is the most interesting fact about the arch? So let me ask you that. Uh, it's, it's as tall as it is wide. It's the, exactly. And I'm, I'm going to botch it though. It's, but it's something like 670 feet, but it's, it's exactly as wide as it is tall. Yeah. And you wouldn't think that you would think it looks taller, right? Is it yep. optical? Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Um, John, I'm a believer that we all have a book in us. What would be the title of your book? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I'm just going to opt out and say Fitz because that's what everyone calls me. So, <laughs> picture me with Fitz at the bottom real big. Short-term uh, goal, three uh, three to five months. It could be personal or professional. Uh, three to five months, I'd say, you know, the, the biggest – personal goal for the next three to five months is making sure that the next school year is optimal, uh, regardless of what the circumstances are, whether it's, uh, you know, very, very hopefully not all online or anything like that. But if we do have severe restrictions in place, what do those restrictions look like and how can we still maximize the student learning experience in that, um, within those restrictions? Yeah, absolutely. And how about a book recommendation? You mentioned uh, uh, the book you read. Is there is there a favorite? Is there one that's had a great impact on you? Uh, I'm I'm always gonna uh, be a fan of Lord of the Rings. That's one of my big things, and that and there there are a lot of a lot of really valuable lessons in there, even though it's obviously very fictional. Um, uh, Last Stand of Fox Company is a really great history book, and. Um, one of my, I mean, we're talking, we're going hardcore history nerd here, but if you have any interest in the Civil War, I think the, the greatest book ever written in terms of that is Battle Cry of Freedom. And it's just a great book, very holistic uh, history of the Civil War. And I, I sit down about once a year, just start rereading it, even though it's, uh, it's, it's very much just an academic account, an academic summary of the Civil War, but it, it is a really great read nonetheless. That's awesome, man. You know, you, you got all these uh, things you're interested in, the sports, the history, the running, uh, certainly fishing with your kids, John. Uh, uh, but this was great. We're going to uh, we're going to wrap up here now. Uh, guys, this was John Fitzgerald, uh, assistant principal of the year in Missouri. We got robbed of uh, uh, coming out to the annual conference out there. So I hope to be a part of that next year and, and meet you and your team. Uh, but keep the keep up the great work at Pattonville. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you stay on the line a moment. I'm going to try to not screw this music up here at the uh, at the end here. I screwed it up twice already, so let's uh, cue this music back up, and uh, here we go. All right, everyone, we are going to wrap up. Uh, this is Andrew Marotta on Education, Leadership, and Beyond. It was show 126, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Check out John and all the work he's doing. His hashtag is there, John M. Fitzgerald. Uh, and again, this was show 126. Signing off, everyone. Continue to go out and do great work in your schools and communities. Bam.